I feel like I've been focusing on this for a while, but the reason why I continue to build off this mindset is because it never stops. Like there is always fear and there's never going to be a point where you're like, Oh my God, everything is great and nothing makes me scared. So I think for me, it's just really, it's like a really important reminder to myself to keep going, to pursue and just do it because those fear blocks are so shitty and they only hold you back from your potential. And I just, I feel like that's my biggest downfall is letting fear kind of take over. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two. And with that said, let's thrive. Hi there, and welcome back to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I'm just your average 20-year-old podcast host trying to spread some good in the world. (laughs) No, but honestly, I am. And the reason I just brought that up is because I had a sweet little story I wanted to share with you guys. So I had a friend of mine DM me the other night that her parents, who are not tech-savvy at all, found the podcast and listened. And that just made me so happy to hear that these people who, you know, never usually would listen to a podcast like mine or maybe even a podcast in general found the podcast and listened and just reminded me how how far this can spread, you know? And so I just wanted to share this story where, you know, she said her parents aren't tech savvy, they're not on social media, any of that, but they were on a road trip and they were trying to find their daughter, her episode on my podcast, a previous guest. It was Katie Wells. And anyway, they started listening to the episode with Britt Berlin a few back, and they were just amazed. They were blown away by, you know, Britt's thoughts on gratitude and the power of our mind and our thoughts. And they were just telling, you know, Katie, their daughter, who then told me how the episode just really got them thinking and was worth checking out. And it was just so sweet to see how this collaborative work I do between me and the guest and you guys as the listeners can make such a difference, can actually make an impact on someone's thinking and thoughts and life. And it just really gave me, you know, immense gratitude (laughs) for this work I do and for all of you that make it possible. I, I just can't put into words how grateful I am that I have people listening to me and my guest every week. And so it just like sending out big hugs right now (laughs) to all of you. Um, Honestly, I'm just so, so happy and blown away. And the reason I wanted to share the story in today's intro is because I almost didn't start this podcast because I was so afraid. I was afraid that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't educated enough, that people wouldn't listen, that people would judge me, that people would make fun of me. All these little fears that actually kept me from starting the podcast for about five months until finally I was like, okay, I'm going in, I'm doing it. And it's crazy to think where I'd be if I hadn't just faced those fears. The same with dropping out of college, the same with starting my Instagram, the same with reaching out to guests. I mean, there's so many fears that we have to overcome every day. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because today's episode is with my dear friend, Gary Ann, from The Preachy Prodigy. She was actually on months and months ago, one of my OG guests, and we've just become very good friends since then. I really think of her as like an older sister, mentor to me, and I wanted to have her on again. And You know, a lot of the conversation is about PTSD and mental health, but what we open up about is her intentions for 2020, which is to face the fear and do it anyway. Basically, we just have this small discussion about how much fear holds us back and how much that can affect our lives if we don't find the strength and the courage to face it and overcome it. And, you know, yeah, people have lots of fears. You know, I've had a fear of death all my life since losing my mom. People have insane, you know, fear of planes, fear of spiders, fear of the dark. There's so many fears you can have and some of them are major, but some of them you're not even realizing. And it's like I was mentioning, those fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of, you know, not being enough. There's so many daily fears that can hold us back throughout our 
day-to-day living. And that's not even counting, you know, like the major fears that hold us back in the grand scheme of things, you know? So all these little fears that we're not even recognizing, you know, whether that's fear of getting your picture taken in public, even though my Instagram feed needs it, (laughs) or, you know, fear of asking for special requests or foods at restaurants, even though your gut really needs you to, or, you know, when you're out traveling and you're afraid to ask for help, or, you know, just even these small little things like fearing posting a certain topic on Instagram, or fear of asking for an extra day off from your boss, or, Fear of going to the gym when there's a lot of guys in there because I know I have that fear. And it's just all these little fears that hold us back day to day. And at the least, I mean, they're clouding our minds because we're constantly thinking about them. And so, I mean, not to get on a soapbox about facing your fears because I know that's not always possible, but, you know, sometimes you got to slay the dragon and move on. It's, It's worth it. And this doesn't mean put yourself in physical danger or harm and or tormenting your mental or emotional health, like, I think you know that. But I just mean, maybe find the ways that fear is holding you back on the daily and challenge them in an appropriate manner. So, but enough talk about fear. <laughs> Let's chat about some fun. So, as I mentioned, Gary Ann is back on the podcast, and I just wanted this to be really a 360 podcast about all types of things going on in her life and probably your life as well. So, Like I said, we start out with her intention for 2020, which is to face the fear. And then also we go into the fun things. So wedding planning and the cake flavor, which is amazing. How she juggles wedding planning with work and self-care. Then we dive into the real like nitty gritty topic of this episode, which is probably if I had to sum it up, mental health. And as you'll hear, we discuss how Gary Ann has had this journey throughout the years with anxiety and panic attacks and PTSD and all the moments that triggered them. So we really take it back in time to what events caused her PTSD, how, you know, these symptoms started to really reappear in her life and got so bad to the point where she had to find a doctor, she had to get help, and at that time she had to admit to herself that she did have PTSD, and that PTSD is not just reserved for people of the service, Um, you know, and this isn't downgrading anybody's trauma. This is just saying that anyone can get PTSD. You do not have to go to war for it, because war appears in many different ways, okay? So, that's something I really want you to remember as you listen, and you'll hear, you know, basically this you know, this trauma that caused her PTSD and how it did that and then how she got the help she needed and how she's really had to learn to live with it and learn to cope with it and just, you know, be as comfortable as she can with it. You know, and in this, we talk about the importance of mental health and why it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be such a stigma around it. Like, mental health isn't a bad thing. It's just like physical health and just like emotional health. Like we need all of our, you know, I like, I always call it 360 health of physical, emotional, and mental. And so we, we discuss how she now cares for her mental health. And that includes, you know, things such as breath work and meditation, but also just like some easier, more day-to-day things. And in that we also touch a bit on like non-toxic living and how that's really helped her a bit. But overall, it's just a very emotional, but very powerful episode that dives deep into understanding the mind and the struggles we can face when we don't properly care for it, if I had to, you know, kind of sum it up. But it's also, you know, a fun conversation. We are laughing and, you know, telling funny stories on the side. And like I said before in the intro, Gary Ann is really just like a big sister mentor to me. So it was so, so nice to just sit down and have this conversation with her and We really relate on a lot of things, so I really hope you can find something to relate to her on or resonate with, Um, and if you do and you want to connect more with her, you can find her on Instagram at thepeachyprodigy, linked below, and I'm on Instagram at thriveonlife or at letsthrivepodcast. You can share this on your stories or just DM us. We'd love to chat, and you know, sometimes I just run a random giveaway, so (laughs) if you're sharing this on your story and tagging us, or if you're going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rate and review, 
I'm usually always like, I'll just all of a sudden be like, I want to pick a random winner. And I'll go and I'll find someone and I'll DM them and just send some free stuff. Because I get sent a lot of free product and honestly, I can't always use it all. So I'm happy to send away a little thing to show my gratitude and appreciation for you. And it really does help. So without further ado, let's begin. As you guys know, I'm all about eating a whole foods diet and supplementing when necessary for optimal health and wellness. That's why I'm so passionate about a favorite brand of mine and sponsor of the podcast, Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition offers hemp and CBD products that can enhance your daily wellness routine and aid in your health journey. Their products are organically grown, vigorously tested, and responsibly sourced in their home base of Colorado. And in case you're like I was just a few months ago, confused as to what CBD, hemp, or any of this means, let me explain. Hemp is in the same group as cannabis, but contains less than 0.3% of THC. It has been used and consumed by humans for ages and is a great source of plant-based protein, rich in essential amino acids, and supplies healthy omega-3 and 6 fats. Cured offers a variety of hemp products, like their hemp hearts that you can sprinkle on meals, blend in a smoothie, or bake into cookies. And the product I use daily is their mint hemp oil. I take a dose each morning and have seen immense relief of that early morning anxiety that so many of us can experience. More so, I firmly believe it's helped with my joint pain, which is something I've struggled with for two plus years now. In my last three months of testing cured products, I have seen drastic improvement. No more stretching four times a day just to relieve my joints, and I'm serious on that one. Now CBD, aka cannabidiloid, did I say that right? <laughs> it's a natural compound that is found in hemp and similar to THC, yet is not non-psychoactive. So no, it does not get you high. Cured has so many options for this too. Everything from a body salve, to dog treats, cookie dough, gel caps, and my personal favorites, the Zen and Rise capsules. I take the Cured Zen capsule every night for deep sleep and improved digestion. Thanks to their blend of CBD, magnesium, and super herbs such as ashwagandha and chamomile, I get a deep night's sleep plus the improved digestion from magnesium. The Cured Rise capsules are perfect for morning and act as like a natural stimulus to get you going. The blend is caffeine-free but composed of focus aids such as rhodiola and ginseng to craft the ideal nootropic supplement. Now, I really need this with my fatigue. That early morning, it just gets me going, gets my brain alert, and I'm ready for the day. If you'd like to learn more about Cured Nutrition and their products, you can find them at curednutrition.com. And if you'd like to try a product or two, Go ahead and use my code, Let's Thrive, to save $10 on your first order of $50 or more. Now there's no better time than the present to try something new and see the benefits of cured nutrition in your life. I miss you. I know. We need to. Well, we'll be, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. We'll I know. do something. Yeah. I know. I was, I just had, I wear this bracelet of yours. I have it like every morning I like put it on because I don't, I don't sleep with any jewelry on, but I just, I don't know. I was putting it on this morning. I was like, it'll be so nice to talk with her and catch up. Uh, that's great. I also, I want to forewarn you, Basil is such a shithead whenever I'm doing <laughs> anything that's like not involving her. So I have a feeling she's going to come in here a few times and just mess with us. So we'll see. Hopefully not, but she'll be uh, fine. Yeah. I feel like people are used to my dogs barking or something always goes off when I'm recording. So we'll be good. <laughs> well, so to start off this episode, we mm-hmm. recorded once before and it was just such a like well-rounded episode. We hit on a lot of topics and that was a long time ago. So I remember, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but I think this will be a fun refresher and I feel like we've both changed quite a bit since then. I know I've changed a lot. And Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like same for you. So it'll be like a fun catch up, but I thought it'd be neat to start off. So since this is like your first episode back and it's a new year, 2020, do you have like an intention or a mindset shift that you want to bring into this new year and start off this new episode with? <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I like this question because I feel like mine isn't new. It's really been consistent for me over the past, I would say like year and a half, two years, but 
for me, it's very, it's not to let fear get in the way because I feel like I've been focusing on this for a while, but the reason why I continue to build off this mindset is because it never stops. Like there is always fear and there's never going to be a point where you're like, Oh my God, everything is great and nothing makes me scared. So I think for me, it's just really important it's like a really important reminder to myself to keep going, to pursue and just do it because those fear blocks are so shitty and they only hold you back from your potential. And I just, I feel like that's my biggest downfall is letting fear kind of take over. Well, yeah. And we were just talking before recording about how we yo-yo between having, you know, like these immense emotions about not being busy enough and then being too busy And if you really look at it, it's like when we're in those spans of time where we don't have emails constantly coming in and we're not busy, it's a fear of like, will, will it ever start again? Like, you know, will I make the money? Will I get the opportunities? And then once we're busy and we're overwhelmed, it's this fear Mm -hmm. of, will it ever stop? Will I ever get a day where I can just wake up and do what I want instead of having to grind for 12 hours straight? So it's, it really is funny. Like when you look at fear how many aspects of our life it plays into. So I think that's like a powerful one that everyone could focus on. (laughs) Right, right. It's a good one. Well, and as the new year begins once more, you are juggling a lot between business (laughs) and personal and wedding planning. So how are you coping with the stress of it all and trying to juggle it all? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot. But if I'm being honest, I feel like wedding planning is a nice break from business actually you know because you get stuck in a rhythm and I feel like planning something that is for pure enjoyment and just like a celebration of life it's kind of like an uplifter and you often hear other people talking about how wedding planning is so stressful and overwhelming and I I don't know I think you just really have to go into it with your own mindset and not obsessing over what everyone else is saying because if you if you listen to those before those opinions, before you even start, like that's going to affect you, you know? So I don't know. Wedding stuff has never been my thing. Like when I was a kid, I never really imagined my wedding day. I was more obsessed with what I would be doing and where I would go. But now that it's here and I'm planning my big day, it's so fun. And I mean, of course it gets stressful, especially with owning my own business and trying to do all the work separately, but overall I'm enjoying it. And I think it's really cool too because my mother and mother-in-law are just so pumped up about it. They're so lit up. So it's been really fun though. Yeah. And like you said, it is a, it's a reminder of like celebrating life and of all the good things that can come up. And once more, like, I think it does. <laughs> oh, hi, Basil. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need <laughs> to meet her soon. <laughs> I know. I know. But yeah, mm-hmm. like it's a good, it's a good way to bring everyone together and it is all about mindset. Like you can either say, oh, this is so stressful. I can't do this. Like kind of complain as you can with everything in life. Or you can just say like, this is fun. Like this is a good chance to do something new. But I love that. What's been your favorite part of planning it so far? Um, I feel, oh my God, the food. (laughs) Of course, I'm a food blogger. But so actually um, our wedding venue is Old Daily Inn, which is known as one of the most popular catering businesses in New York and their restaurants are ranked to be the best in upstate. So the food process has been amazing and all of their menus and just the tastings for um, our dinner, our dinner menu and our cake have been so fun. It's been basil. Oh my gosh. I need to, can I go bring her out really quick? Fine. (laughs) Yeah, last time I recorded, I didn't have a dog. I know. That was like one of the big changes I was thinking of. You didn't have sweet little basil. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, so um, definitely the food. We love the food. Are you able to share what cake flavor you decided on? Yeah, so it's a marble cake with espresso mousse filling. Okay. And a cream cheese frosting. It sounds kind of absurd, but it's absolutely delicious. And I mean, you know, I love coffee. Mm-hmm. I am coffee espresso fiends so we knew we wanted espresso somehow incorporated so it's the mousse filling which is really really good 
Well, that's bound to be a fun reception. I mean, everybody <laughs> got some espresso in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone will be pumped up. Well, and beyond the wedding planning, as you mentioned, you're also running your own business, Peachy Prodigy, and that's, you know, a full-time thing for you. So how has that been? Like, are you, do you feel comfortable in the role of an entrepreneur in that sense? Because like, how long have you been doing this now? Like full-time? It's been a little over a year and a half. So it, I think it'll be two years in May. I think so. I'm not too sure. I'd have to look into that, but um, it's been crazy. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you're never fully comfortable. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, but I truly believe all entrepreneurs feel that way. Um, it's just, there's always like a little bit of heavy stress that floats around because it's your baby. And if something goes wrong or falls through, it's solely up to you to fix it and make it better. Of course, like doing what I love and receiving beautiful messages and comments from my followers and partnering with brands I love and just growing far beyond where I ever thought I could makes it all so worth it. Um, but <clears throat> something I'm currently working on is knowing when to chill out, which <laughs> is truly a learning process in itself and very crucial to running a successful business. That's been a like, really big thing that I've been trying to focus on. Well, and like you said, it is, it's like your baby, like you grow it from the ground up. And just like with anything, like it has to keep growing. You can't stay yeah. stagnant. So it's a constantly evolving thing. And I think that's why it's so hard to shut off because it can be 930 at night and you get a genius idea. What do you do? Like you, you start to enact on it. Like Mm -hmm. it, it's like it's never off your mind. And I think that's why it can be so hard to shut off and to not constantly be going at it. So, you know, how have you set that boundary or like really allowed yourself to have time where you can just chill and relax and not think about the business side of things? Yeah, I feel like one of the biggest things for me is when my eyes start getting tired, because a lot of this is primarily on a laptop or my phone which is very strenuous on not just my eyes, but just everything in general, my back, my neck, my head. Um, so whenever I start feeling anything, any form of feeling uncomfortable, I get up and I go for a walk outside for at least 30 minutes with Basil. And I just try and do something where I'm active outside. And that's typically very helpful, but I don't know. It's still a learning process, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. I like to schedule my day with some sort of like movement or outside activity between mm -hmm. like after my morning work session and before lunch. And then yeah. like in the afternoon, it's like I get outside again or I get in the kitchen and I'm just like cooking to cook. I'm not like trying to accomplish anything. Yeah. And or like it's just, yeah, it it is a balancing act and it can be hard to like I love reading, but I I haven't been able to sit down and read a book in months because I can't, I can't just do that. And I'm really working on that because I'd love to be able to sit down and read because it does help. Like it gets your creativity going. It's such a way to like help yourself personally grow personal development, but it's hard to do that, sit down and shut off the brain for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> That's actually really interesting that you said that because last night I said to Chris, I read, I was reading a book for the first time and I don't even know how long. And I used to be a bookworm, but I think what it is is that I'm sitting down all day doing work. And the only time I get up and really work my body is when I go to my workouts, when I go to yoga class. And it's very strict because I'm trying to move my body. And previous, you know, prior to starting my business, I was in very active environments. Like I was a teacher, I was working at preschools and kindergarten. I was always on my feet. So it was a big adjustment. But um, I was like reading the book last night. I'm like, I haven't read a book in so long because I feel like it kind of mimics just that sitting in solitude that I'm doing all day, every day. So it's hard for me to kind of get back into that rhythm, you know? Yeah, no, I, I feel that completely because now it's like I look for opportunities to move my body because mm -hmm. I get I if I sit too long if even if I'm standing like I have a standing desk but even just being in the same place working for too long I feel like I get so stagnant in my creativity and my focus in my productivity so it's like I'm constantly looking for ways <laughs> like 
okay, is there a way that I can, you know, do laundry? So I have to go up and down the steps a few times. Can I take the dogs out? Can I cook in the kitchen for 20 minutes to just get some like physical energy out? And so I think that is true. Like it does sitting down to read. It's like, well, why don't I just sit down and work? But yeah, (laughs) mindset shift. (laughs) Yeah. Now, do you think all this work with, you know, computers and social media and running your own business, like, has that affected, like, your mental health negatively at all? Or do you feel like you have a good, you know, kind of boundary between maintaining mental health and doing your work as well? Um, I feel like it definitely, since I've started my business, I feel like being on a laptop all the time and the stress that builds up definitely affects my mental health. Um, but finding ways to pull yourself away from that and just tune in and be present is crucial. And I think anybody who works in like a desk environment or staring at a laptop all day, it is so important to just take, even if it's five minutes, to go sit with yourself, meditate, or move a little bit, go for a walk, go for a run, find something. Because I, I, there was a point where I was getting so involved with my work when it really started to pick up, I would say like, I'm going to say like four to five months ago. And I was obsessing over getting everything done and just being like the best I can be. And the thing is, is that you can't be the best you can be if you're not caring for yourself properly. So it's just like, take those breaks. You need breaks, period. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, and what we talked about in our last episode and what you've been sharing about a lot on your Instagram and everything is like, you also, you face PTSD and night terrors and all these additional things that I feel like, I don't know, you know, what triggers them for you, but do you think that stress, like, I doubt that helps them? Like, do you think they correlate between like, when you're stressed, those things flare up more often? Or do you, or is it like a separate something else that like triggers that makes them pop up more? Yeah, I feel like when it comes to triggers, it's definitely mostly random, which is very frustrating because you can never really tell when it's going to occur. But something that I've noticed over time that triggers me more than anything else is being in a moving car. So I think I mentioned in our last podcast, I think, um, how I wouldn't drive for a while. And I love driving, by the way, and I've never had this fear of being an accident or anything. But um, they say that PTSD patients typically reflect onto something else, forming like a fear or a phobia to avoid coming in contact with those repressed memories and emotions we have. And I think this really formed because whenever... I would be driving or Chris would be driving, my mind wanders. And I think all of our minds wander a little into subconscious while we're getting to point A to point B. And sometimes, you know, I'll like even get to a place and I'm like, I don't even remember driving here because I was in such deep thought. So I think I sort of correlated the two together from like my trauma and then driving. And this kind of made this crazy irrational fear that I suffer with still especially if I'm not driving. So that's really tough because I'm not somebody who is going to like explain that to others because I think it's really tiring for just everyone, you know, to do that. So what happens most of the time is I just like bottle it up or I like pull my shirt over my face and I'll have a quick panic attack. Um, That's definitely something I'm still working on. And I think work definitely can contribute to it, but I'm finding ways to you know, sort it out. It's never really ending. That's like, you know, that's one of the things with PTSD. That got me thinking when you were talking about the car and I was listening to a podcast the other day about someone with severe anxiety and they were saying they, for a while, they couldn't do cars either because it was Mm -hmm. something about being in the car and the possibility of being like stopped at a red light or stopped in LA traffic where they live. (laughs) That was so traumatizing and anxiety driving for them that they couldn't do it. And it really, you know, got me thinking as well of, I don't mind driving, but I have to have a distraction because in every other part of my life, you know, if those emotions come up and I'm in a place where I don't want to deal with them, 
I can do something to distract myself, whether it's physical or I'm focusing, I start working. But when you're in a car and you literally cannot go anywhere, you Mm -hmm. cannot focus on anything but driving, it's so easy to slip into those thoughts. And like you said, I too, like all of a sudden it's like, that's scary. I just drove, you know, 20 miles. And all I remember is thinking about this event that happened to me. Like, Mm-hmm. it's it's so odd and I think it you know maybe it is something about that idea of you're literally trapped there you can't move mm-hmm. you're in your seat you're buckled in and mm-hmm. you are just like victim to your thoughts like they can just come at you however they like and so that that's curious but I I see how that could be and I I definitely um have my own aversion to driving for a similar reason of I just I don't want to be alone with those thoughts sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if you think about it too, like when you're in a car, even if if you're driving or if you're not, your limbs, everything is subconscious. Everything is not, you know, or unconscious. I mean, not subconscious. (laughs) And, you know, you're just, you're very calm and you're still, and your mind just floats away and you're kind of in a hypnotic state to begin with. And it's, you know, it's proven across boards. Like this is a very common thing that happens with people with mental illness. And it's just, I think it's wild because... I've, you know, why a car for me has absolutely no relation to my PTSD whatsoever. So the first time I saw a doctor in Cali, that was when it was the worst. I did not drive anywhere. Chris drove us everywhere. It was so, so bad. There was multiple times where I had to pull over on the side of the road from just panic attacks, which I had a lot back then. Um, And, you know, that was one of the things he said. He was like, you're finding something else to put your emotions on, you are kind of redirecting it. Just so interesting. And you know what else I was just thinking is when, you know, with the whole thing with your dad, and I think that's where it started for you. Yeah. In a driveway? Yeah. So this is so like, oh my goodness. Um, so I feel like I first learned about PTSD when, you know, I feel like I learned about it how everyone learned about it. Mm-hmm. males who went to war that's PTSD that's all I remember hearing growing up and then so when I was 11 I mentioned this on my feed before too but I was home alone with my dad and he had a massive heart attack and I remember the cops asking me for my mother's number to get a hold of her because she wasn't home and this was back when people didn't have cell phones like they had those big bulky things with the antennas she had that work so that's what they were, they were asking a number for that phone. And I kept saying her number totally backwards because I was in such shock. And then I passed out. And I remember when my mom finally got there, the cops and the paramedics were talking with her about what I may experience for the next whatever amount of time. And I remember the words post-stress, post-trauma coming up a few times, but it really never affected me that much throughout the next years of my life. And, you know, I was like, young and I just kind of assumed that the only people who suffer with PTSD are men who go to the war because that was the only time you'd ever hear about it so in my head I'm like that's I'm gonna be fine like I couldn't possibly experience that in my little head like my little brain you know I didn't understand and I also think just knowing that my dad had survived it really put my mind at ease because he was still with us so basically I just kind of dismissed all of that trauma I had experienced and told myself like you have nothing to worry about or be scared about because he's still here and I do remember having numerous night terrors as a child but I never mentioned it because you know I was a kid and I didn't really know what was going on but what's really interesting was how when I started to really suffer with severe PTSD from my brother's passing in that same location, that's when a lot of my dad's incidents started to resurface. So it was like a double whammy and I had no idea what was happening. And it was just like all of these memories and visions that I completely suppressed with his incident came full force when everything was going down with my brother too. So when I was like going to see a therapist and um, just doing all of these different 
things to try and help myself. It was like double whammy. And it was the most insane thing to learn about. And again, just educating yourself on the topic, the best thing you could possibly do to help yourself if you're like dealing with PTSD that severe, you know? I mean, we mentioned this in the last episode, but this is why, like, I just feel so connected to you because I like I relate to that immensely where I was I was 10 and you know like I for me like my version it was it's hospitals like that's where my PTSD stems from because I watched my mom like you know die there and then but like the thing is that when you're that young like yeah you are suppressing everything and same as you like I would have night terrors like it drove me mad, but like nobody knew, like I, I wasn't seeing a therapist. Like I wasn't telling, like I wasn't going to tell my dad that I was having these nightmares about, you know, like his wife, my mom, like, it's just, you don't do that. And then it was, I think six years later when my aunt, who was just like a, another mom to me died in the same way, in the same type of hospital room that suddenly it's like the flashbacks happen. And that's when shit hit the fan because it's like, I was old enough at that point, and like same with your brother, like you're old enough where all of a sudden it's like your body can't take it anymore, like everything comes to the surface, and suddenly it's it's so overwhelming, and it just rushes over you in waves of memories just coming up and coming up and emotions and so i you know it sounds like it was with your brother that was the catalyst for this, and for me, it was with my aunt that was the catalyst for this of past pain and trauma. Fuse, fusing with the present and then just sending us, you know, in a yeah. spiraling hole. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you get older, you, I mean, if you are willing to kind of find yourself, if you want to do that, you have to unravel yourself. And through unraveling, there's so much depth and fear, and it's not happy it's not a happy unraveling but once you unravel you are whole and you feel that you can accomplish more and you feel true to yourself and your growth and you know but that process is a bitch (laughs) and it's hard and I think it takes a long time you know there's been multiple times where I'm like I did it. (laughs) I fixed myself. And then like two weeks go by and I'm right back to where I was. And it's just, you know, it really is about your mindset. It's about staying grounded, staying present. It's, it's insane. Yeah. No, I remember like a year ago thinking I've got it. Like I'm set, you know, I'm done. I've done the work. I fell apart. I'm back together. And now I'm like, Oh, hell no. Like I'm in the middle. (laughs) Like, is this my Saturn return or something? Because (laughs) never ending. (laughs) So you found out that you had the PTSD with the therapist in California. So once you found that out, like, what did you do to start working with it? Did you have a, you know, a phase of denial of like, no, that's not me. I didn't go to war. Or were you like, yeah, that's me. And like, start working on it. I actually, I was actually told I had PTSD um, after my dad's. And then I was told that I had PTSD on site where my brother had passed and they, I had mandatory therapy meetings and I would pretend to go to them and I would tell my parents I went and I wouldn't go. Oh my God. (laughs) I was still in college and I just, I was a hot mess and I just was thinking that I was stronger than the PTSD and that I could outsmart it. And what happened there is that it came back 10 times stronger. So that was probably my biggest mistake. But, um, I feel, I feel like, what was your question about Sally? Just like, so I was wondering, like, when you first found out if you went through denial, which you did, you, yeah. So, so sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just fine. Yeah, I was in denial for a really long time. And I feel like in California is when my eyes sort of opened about it all. Um, and it was such a long process to get where I am but the last year was the most raw year of my PTSD which is interesting because it was five years after everything had gone down and it's still right now I would say is way better than last year but it's still not good and it's just a process and there's waves it's never that is 
the biggest issue with PTSD is it comes in waves and those waves are so big and it's just, it's frustrating to try and wrap your mind around it and educate yourself on how to calm your body and your mind, you know? So like when the PTSD acts up for you, you were mentioning before, like you would have panic attacks, like severe anxiety. Is that what it causes for you as far as a like physical reaction goes? When we were in California, I experienced a lot of panic attacks. And there was this one time in particular, I was lifting weights upstairs and I thought I was having a heart attack and I fell on the ground. I blacked out. I don't remember anything. Chris came running up and I truly thought that that was like my last breath. I was so overwhelmed and Chris was just like trying to calm me down. And we talked that night and the next day I called off of work and that's when I went to go see my first doctor because I was like, I can't live this way. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. It was getting worse and worse and worse. I think back to that time and I'm like, if I didn't get help then, I have no idea where I would be now. It's just like, that was definitely what kind of forced me to go get help was that experience because it was so scary. And I, it truly made me just like lose control of my mind and my body. Now, like, are there any medicines or like, like, yeah, I guess not medicine or like a prescription or something that you can take for the anxiety and the panic when, you know, you're in those intense moments or did you just like try to do it pure holistic or on your own sort of way? Um, I definitely turned down all treatments for me. It's what's been really helpful and beneficial is meditation and yoga have really helped me with understanding breath work and knowing how to control that aspect because my my breathing and my heart gets really really out of control and just knowing how to focus on breath is huge and then also something that was self-taught um i started doing this right after jay passed is counting backwards from five um I don't know why it helps me so much, but I just keep counting backwards from five until my breathing goes back to normal. And I think it's just like a really good distraction method um, counting and just like picturing the numbers in my head. So that was something I taught myself immediately after Jay's incident. And I've been doing that even more than like concentrating on just my breathing. I do that more than even that. So that's been really, really helpful for me. And I know, like you said, you mentioned the yoga and the meditation. Like, I feel like those are such great ways to like get grounded, you know, like back in your body and really like, you know, root yourself back down to reality and to earth. And I know you do uh, Kate Kate Hurley's um, things. Do you find like a combination of movement and meditation works best or do you you know, do them separate where you meditate in the morning and then work out later, etc. It depends on my day, but um, I would definitely say I usually start with meditation, do my workout, and then end with meditation. And sometimes I don't do a workout because my day is so busy, but something that I make sure to do is always meditate, no matter what my schedule looks like, because if I don't, I am, I'm a hot mess. I just I get done nothing. I get done absolutely nothing because my anxiety is through the roof and it's just, I don't know, I'm just not myself. So meditation is a must for me every single day, at least twice a day. But even when I work out, I love Kate's app because she makes it so easy and it's so flowy. And then I have a studio I go to here and they do essentially the same thing, which I just love practicing that way because it really calms your mind and body after like really stimulating it yeah and I agree like if I have a morning where I'm super anxious it's easier to say oh I don't need to meditate like I can't sit down or something like that but Mm -hmm. in reality what happens is then I I go to start on emails and I'm like this is too overwhelming close that out go to type out a message or an email or a podcast draft can't do that I'm not focused enough shut that down and like one by one I find myself getting nothing done and it's like, if I would have just taken 10, 20, maybe right. more minutes to move my body or meditate or just sit, 
I could have saved my day. So <laughs> I feel that. And not letting your mind wander, like just staying in the present is so helpful as well. Cause if I start to wander, I'm like, I, my mood completely shifts. Mm-hmm. You know? Just like the worst. So always just staying present is huge for me too. And also I always think of it as we're all so concerned with having a strong body. You know, like I, I think everybody wants to have a strong body in one way or another. Well, I want to have a strong mind <laughs> because, you know, I feel like with anxiety and with some of the other things I face, I'm letting my, I'm letting it like control my mind. And if I can have a strong mind, I can override those that can focus, that can, you know, stay yep. on task, can support my mental health. Like that's more valuable to me. So making myself meditate, even if I don't want to, is such a mental strength. Like you're training yourself time and time again to like, I'm doing this because it's going to help me, not because I want to necessarily in this minute. Yeah. I love that you brought that up actually, because I think no matter what state of mind you're in, you should always care for your mental health. Even if you're super happy, feeling balanced, loving life, you need to care for your mind. We all do. It's something that should be practiced consistently to keep yourself well balanced and from falling into like negative rhythms. You know, I just think that a lot of people kind of correlate the word mental health with problematic people. And that's just not the case. Like we all suffer with mental health, whether it be, you know, some stress from work or severe PTSD, some anxiety or a phobia of like heights. You know what I mean? There's so many different forms. And I think when people think of the word mental health, they're like, oh, a very direct relation to like extreme illnesses, which is not the case. Everyone should care for their mind just as they care for their body. Well, yeah. And that's why like I even hesitate sometimes to use the term mental health because I don't want to scare people away or make it sound like I'm saying, oh, you have mental health. Like, no, we all have mental health just as we have physical and emotional health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think the stigma is slowly getting released from it, but it's Mm -hmm. still a long way to go. And yeah, like I'd love to see the term mental health just be a socially accepted term such as physical health. Like it's something that, you know, schools could probably benefit from implementing some mental health into the physical health sections. Like it's just something that'll come with time, I suppose. But yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. Well, and you know, as part of mental health comes physical health too. Like it's trying to find the union between mind, body, and spirit, so to speak, or emotions. So you are obviously an amazing cook and a queen of desserts. So how have you found food to relate to support your mind and this entire journey you've gone through? I feel like I get this question a lot and I've always had a really good relationship with food. Like as a kid, I was always really active. I listened to my body for the most part. And when it came to food and what I ate, um, it was always what I was craving. And I've always loved my fruits and veggies, but food just like has helped me immensely in the sense of healing because cooking and learning about food is really just a great distraction for me. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious, I find myself creating some of my best work in the kitchen. And it's, it's really just a form of art to me. And I love it so much. I love flavors, love trying new things. I love educating myself on different health topics and, you know, trying different restaurants, but it's, it's always been a really good relationship for me. So have you ever felt yourself attaching food to emotions at all? Or has that been like, okay for you too? I really, you know, it's interesting because I've just never had, I'm very thankful. I've never had any of those problems. I don't know. You know, I don't know why. I just think, I think I attach to other things. Yeah. <laughs> like size. So you know how people can attach to food emotionally. I think I do that with working out. Okay. I like obsess over exercise. I will obsess over just because it's a form of releasing for me. And sometimes I definitely overdo it there. Um, just as I assume people would do that with food. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like we all have a crutch for something. Some yeah. people resort to drugs, some it's alcohol, some it's food, exercise, uh, a plethora of other things. Yeah. And it's kind of like a life journey of you have that crutch. Now, how can you learn to walk on your own again? Um, you know, and still have that object, that thing in your life. So have you found like anything that helps you almost like dissociate from using exercise as a crutch or is it something you're still like actively working on from time to time? Um, yeah, no, I've definitely found, so I've only been meditating for a little over a year and that has helped me immensely with my exercise obsessions that has helped me with PTSD that has helped me with my car issue. So truly just sitting down with myself, staying present is something that helps me beyond anything else. And it's just as simple as that for me. You know, I, I feel that too. And so I started attaching meditation to the end of my workouts because I need the like, it's like, I need to get my body physically tired or spent so that I can settle easily. Like it's easier for me to settle the mind then. And then it's such a great way to like return my body from like fight or flight mode of, you know, working out back right. to, okay, let's calm it down. Time to eat. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I feel that immensely. And I mean, like they even say that's like a good way of building habits. Like I've, I've been getting into that lately of like the idea of like habit stacking. So it's like, if you want to start something new, stack it on something else, instead of just trying to say like, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes every day and try to fit that into my busy routine. Now I'm cutting my workouts by 10 minutes each day. And then Mm -hmm. I'll meditate for 10 minutes on the end of that. And then eventually I hope that meditation will come, you know, easier, more natural for me. And I'll be able to, you know, even things out again. But so I think, yeah, no matter what you look at it, Meditation and movement, people. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just do it. <laughs> just do it. It's definitely well, better. Yes, no, 100%. Well, what are some of your favorite recipes to date? Um, so I really like, I really like yogurt bowls. Those are some of the things that I just like eat every single morning. But I've noticed my following loves my sweets, like my baked goods. So I've been trying to incorporate more of those recipes, but those can be tricky because flours are hard to work with. So I find myself in the kitchen, like double the amount of time that I would be for something else, but it's, I mean, they love it. And I'm starting to love baking too. I feel like I kind of started off just doing random assortment and now I feel like I'm, I'm kind of narrowing down into like a like baking primarily so it's fun I mean I'm I'm learning a lot but I like I'm trying to think of a a specific recipe I like I like um the s'mores cookies that I made I don't know if you've ever seen those or I made like a blondie version too those are probably one of my most popular recipes to date I remember them I remember them (laughs) yeah a tahini s'mores so good so good now, there's something about um, the combination of tahini, chocolate, and like marshmallow that mm-hmm. I, it's like crack. I mean, I, anything with that combination. I mean, it's basically a s'mores anything, but like, wow, it's, yeah, I remember those. And I have to say, like, I, your sweets always, I, well, I have a sweet tooth. I'm a major sweet tooth. Um, I will like prepare myself brownies instead of preparing a meal for the next day. So then I'm scrambling to make a meal for lunch after work while I have like a whole pan of brownies waiting for me in the fridge. Like it's just how my mind operates. But I love that it's, you know, like you're exploring baking now and like getting into something new and starting to love it too. I love baking. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny too, because a lot of, I've noticed the older generation, specifically males, are like tahini. I'm not going to put tahini and baked goods. I'm like, you've never even tried it. Just try it. And they're like, it just sounds like it would taste terrible. I'm like, well, you really have not tried it yet because it's absolutely delicious. I love tahini. I think that's like my number one thing, you know? No, I I know like something about it is like almost addictive to me. Like, I don't know, like something about it really draws my taste buds. Like I am like in love with it, which is so weird because I, up to like a year and a half ago, I'd never touch it. Like I didn't like 
hummus. I didn't like anything tahini and now I'm obsessed with it. So yeah, <laughs> all our food talk, but <laughs> well, you also are real big on, you know, like you mentioned the other day, you had a story where I think you were getting your makeup done for the wedding and you were just showing an example of how crazy it is that after using, you know, like clean, non-toxic, just like safe <laughs> products on your skin and home, then you had your makeup done. Was it with just like regular makeup then? Cause your skin, it showed like, it was like your skin was not reacting well. <laughs> yeah. It was like a rash almost. And it, it, she did a, I think it's spray brush or airbrush, airbrush. Okay. Yeah. For the wedding. And it was a lot. I mean, you know, they were so sweet and they do a great job. It's just, my skin is not used to that. I also never do anything with my hair. So I was like, wow, like who is this chick in the mirror? But the makeup was very heavy. And, um, I got home, I had these crazy little bumps all over my face, which I've never seen on my face before. And I don't know. I just, I don't know if I want to do that for my wedding now. I think I just want to do my own makeup because I did not like how that reacted on my face. I've been using non-toxic makeup now for, I would say a year and a half. And, um, I haven't, turn back ever to old products but now I know what would happen if I did yeah no and it is crazy you know and I know there are a lot of studies out there just showing like the effects of different chemicals in our care products and our house products and not only how they affect your physical health but like mental health too like there's a lot out there you know whether you have anxiety or insomnia so many different things that it's like these hidden invisible things attacking, (laughs) attacking our systems and our mind. And so I'm sure that was like helpful in your journey too, to help, you know, maintain some more health for your mind. But yeah, I think, um, products we use definitely affect our mental health, whether it be food or toxins. I mean, food is not just good for the body. It's also great for the brain. I feel like people always They don't really like think about that too often. We quite literally are what we eat and it's important to treat our body and our mind like a temple because they go hand in hand. And don't quote me on this, but the most positive that I read an article when I was going to school for my bachelor's, so I studied psychology and it, it was like scientifically proven that a healthy diet is protective and an unhealthy diet is a risk factor, like a direct link. For depression and anxiety, which is crazy. That's a, like a direct link. That's really, really crazy. When, I mean, the way I look at it is, you know, for instance, my gut is if, if something's affecting my gut right then and there, my depression, my seasonal depression, my anxiety, everything goes to shit. Like I had, it was for the past like two weeks, actually. I don't know what's going on. I'm just now coming out of it. My gut has been a mess. Like, I don't know what caused it, whatever. But like that showed me how much I value taking care of my body because I want my mind to be able to be focused. I don't want brain fog. I don't want to deal with constant anxiety, these thoughts that come in out of nowhere. And it just goes to show like, you know, how, how well is your gut being taken care of when you're not eating to properly fuel it, to properly nourish your body? And that goes with all your systems, you know, you're supporting your thyroid, reproductive, adrenal health, like all of it. So I I can see why that could be a direct link. And I, I personally a hundred percent buy it because I I too have, you know, seen my own fair research on the topic, but it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. I think too, with like non-toxic, non-toxic living, I feel like if I were to give any piece of advice I feel like there's a lot of factors that go into it. So it depends really on what we're specifically talking about. But in like a broad sense, I would say less is more. You do not want a whole plethora of ingredients that you don't understand. And the best products have simple ingredients that you know, and for the most part, you should be able to pronounce. And that goes for food and makeup and skincare and shampoo, you know, like, everything, everything, nothing should be a mile long list of shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, um, I, like I, I, now I, I mean, I don't get anything that I don't know like what the ingredients are just because once you switch to that, 
type of lifestyle, I think it's hard to go back to actively consuming or actively buying things where you can just turn a blind eye and say like, oh, I'm not going to look at that uh, very scary sounding <laughs> chemical or food dye or et cetera, et cetera. And with everything, there's balance. Like you're not, it's not a hundred percent that you're going to be able to eat or live that way. But I think that, yeah, like I said, like once you start living that way, it's hard to actively participate in anything except for the more natural, you know, way of living. (laughs) Yeah. Your body will identify with the natural. And as soon as you go back to anything else, your body will refuse basically, which is what mine did. So it's interesting to see how you can adjust to the bad stuff, but that does not mean it's good for you. That's actually terrible that you're adjusting, you know? It's, it's crazy. There's so many bad products. And I think also something really important, there's an app called Think Dirty. I've mentioned that on my Instagram before too, but you can scan any product in the store and it will give you a rating of how good or harmful it is, which is so helpful because a lot of the times people just don't have time to like read an entire, like, I mean, what if you, you have four kids at home and you're rushing to the grocery store, you're not going to be standing in the aisle for 10 minutes. Like, let me observe this, you know? And sometimes there is still ingredients that you just might not know, but they're not necessarily harmful. So something like this app is very beneficial to have because it's a quick and easy scan. And it tells you on a scale one to, I think it's 10 or nine, tells you how bad it is. So I love that app. That I Yeah, I need that because especially like when I'm traveling and I have to pick up something that I didn't bring with or whatever, like it's so hard when you get out of your routine and you have to get something you don't know, and you're standing in the aisle of the store, like a crazy person checking the backs of everything, trying to find something. Yeah. What Um, are, (laughs) yeah. As far as makeup goes, because I think that's one of the hardest areas of personal care to find natural, what do you suggest as far as brands go? I use Coco Kind and Beauty Counter. Those are two that I use the most. I, of course, explore. Like, it's not like I'm just using those all the time. I have used other brands in the past. I cannot think of them right now, but, and I will try more in the future too, but right now I have strictly cocoa kinds. Like, they have, like, highlighter sticks. I use their Beat um, lipstick, which is really cool. I don't even know if you call it lipstick. It's very light, which I like because I like the natural look. Um, and then beauty counter, they have really good, like mascaras, eyeshadow, um, the eyebrow, which is really good, but that's all I really use. So I was going to say the only, I love the cocoa kind. I need to get the beet blush. Um, I think, or whatever the highlighter six are. Uh, but besides that, I love lost glossier, like, yeah, their, uh, mascara has worked like wonders for me. And then I love their but they're not apparently they're not um what was it that I read there's a chemical in them I just found this out like maybe a month ago damn I know I'm like (laughs) you always but that's you you're learning it's Mm -hmm. a learning to find the products that are good on your body but yeah that mascara is awesome it is good and I got like a indigo blue eyeliner which sounds crazy, but you can't see it's indigo blue. It just highlights brown eyes so wonderfully. So yeah, well now maybe I'll investigate them some more. So, <laughs> but they're a good start. You know, if you're, if yeah. you're trying to transition, yeah, I think they have fair prices and they're probably like 80% good for you. And yeah. like, yeah, it's, and it's like doing the best you can as with Absolutely. everything. But. Yeah. They're not, they're not a bad brand at all. Like their products I think are still great. So let's take that step. Yeah. Little baby steps, but well, thank you. That was like so fun. We answered so much and where can people find your Instagram for all the food and lifestyle, like inspiration, your stories. Like I always learn something in your stories. I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys can find me at the peachy prodigy and my website is the peachy prodigy.com. Perfect. What an episode. That was a very emotional, powerful, in-depth look into, you know, not only Gary Ann's life, but I think a lot of the struggles we can all face when it comes to mental health and 
knowing to care for it and learning how to care for it. So I just hope this helps remove some of the stigma around PTSD, around mental health, about asking for help, about therapy, any and all of that, because I want you to know that it's truly normal. It's good to care about these things, and it, it's also normal to struggle in these fields of, you know, mental health, of anxiety, uh, depression, PTSD, like trauma, any of it. Like, it's, it's normal. We all face it. We just don't all talk about it as openly <laughs> as I do and Gary Ann and so many other guests I've had. So just know you are not alone. This is normal for a lot of people and it doesn't always have to be this way. You can you can find, you know, ways to get help and work through it and learn to live with it. And Gary Ann is a great resource for that. There are so many others I've had on the show that are as well. You can go back and listen to their episodes. But if you'd like to connect with Gary Ann, if something she said really resonated with you, you'd just like to learn more, find her, connect, send her a message. She's on Instagram at the Peachy Prodigy and I'm on there at thrive underscore on life or at let's thrive podcast. We would both love to connect and we'd both also love it if you shared a screenshot of this episode on your story, tag us or go on Apple Podcasts and leave a rate review or even subscribe. Helps the show and sometimes I pick a lucky winner to win some goods. So thank you guys once more and we'll see you next week.